This is your Classical Break, your daily dose of classical music. I'm Tyler Alderson, and today we're continuing with Moritz Moskowski's first piano concerto. Yesterday we talked about the fact that this was lost for so many years, and I wanted to get a little bit into why it might have been lost for so long. If Moskowski is a lesser-known composer today, it's not because he toiled in obscurity in his lifetime. Even as his popularity with the public waned, other musicians and critics admired him, and when he died, one musical publication lamented, quote, Moskovsky dead, so painful an announcement has not stricken the entire musical world since the deaths of Chopin, Rubinstein, and Liszt, of whom he was a worthy successor. To put Moskovsky in the same breath as the three greatest pianists of the 19th century may seem like hyperbole, but this was far from the only time that that comparison was made. A fellow pianist and composer said, quote, After Chopin, Moskovsky best understands how to write for the piano. And as I mentioned yesterday, Liszt himself accompanied the young Moskovsky in a piano duet concert of this concerto. Like many composers, Moskovsky wrote for a wide range of talent levels, and many of his piano pieces were aimed at the lucrative amateur market. But he was himself a virtuoso, one of the top pianists of his day, and compositions like this one showcase that prodigious talent. Both touring and music publishing made him a wealthy man, and he was highly in demand as a teacher both of piano and composition. He was even a fairly accomplished violinist, often playing in the orchestra of the academy he taught at. As a composer, he was prolific, and wrote many collections of small pieces and etudes for the piano. So he had the talent, he had the fame, he had the output. Why does he seem like the odd man out when mentioned alongside Chopin and Liszt? He shares a lot with Chopin especially, with his composition centered primarily on the piano, and the fact that both were composers of Polish heritage who spent much of their lives in Paris. Like Liszt, he was a renowned pianist who moved away from performing recitals and concerts in his 30s, focusing on his career as a composer, conductor, and teacher in which he was wildly successful as well. Part of the reason we don't think of him in that company might be in the public perception of Moskovsky's work as tending towards the lighter, more populist side of classical music. One critic wrote that we, quote, do not expect heaven-sent inspirations from Moskovsky, and his larger-scale works never made as big an impact as his smaller pieces for solo piano. Classical music has always favored the big, serious composers over the lighter fare, and there are plenty of examples of wildly popular composers whose fame didn't quite carry over once trends changed. And that's where I think we get to the heart of the matter. Liszt, and Chopin especially, wrote plenty of lighter music, but they were also both revolutionaries. Their music is at the heart of the Romantic piano repertoire because they were at the forefront of Romanticism, casting aside the old ideas of the classical era and reshaping the music in their own ways. Moskovsky, for all his talent and reputation, was somewhat old-fashioned. He was writing in a romantic style when guys like Debussy, Ravel, and Stravinsky were pushing music in new directions. Moskovsky himself even complained that all his composition students wanted to follow the, quote, artistic madmen rather than his more old-fashioned ways. But now, over a hundred years later, it's worth revisiting his legacy because, let's face it, all of it is old-fashioned at this point. And there's a lot to like about Moskovsky's music. 
The two middle movements of this piece have all the drama, contrasts, and tunes you'd expect from a romantic piano concerto. He may not have been revolutionary, but his music is pretty darn good. Here's Ludmila Angelov and the Zhezhev Philharmonic with the second and third movements of Moskovsky's first piano concerto.
I like that big flourish from the timpani at the end. It's both a fairly emphatic end to that movement and a sort of drum roll please for the huge finale that's to come. We'll hear that one tomorrow. Thanks to Ludmil Angelov and the Zhizhov Philharmonic for putting that up on imslp.org. And thank you for listening. If you have the chance, please rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're getting it. I'm Tyler Alderson, and tomorrow for your classical break, that's right, we're going to be finishing up with Moskovsky's first piano concerto, the thrilling conclusion. I'll see you then.